Hi guys, it's Lindsay Pinchuk, host of Dear Founder. And in case you missed it, I recently made a huge announcement. You've been telling me for months how hard it is to wrap your head around marketing your business. And a few weeks ago, 89% of you told me in a survey that you needed help. Between finding time, being consistent, and simply feeling burnt out, it's nearly impossible. And I want to change that because it doesn't have to be. You can now join my brand new community and group mentorship, Marketing Made Simple for Small Business. You don't need a million followers or a million dollar budget to grow your business. What you do need are the right tools, a process, step-by-step guidance, and a little bit of support along the way. Consider it an extension of your company, your very own marketing department at your fingertips while you're working each and every day. When you join, you'll have access to three monthly live group strategy calls with me, access to ask me your marketing questions within our community, ebooks, guides, checklists with step-by-step instructions, and a community of women business owners to collaborate with, bounce ideas off of, and to support you. And let me tell you, Based on who has already joined this group, you are all in for a treat. And in 2024, I'll be bringing in guest speakers and I'll introduce a whole host of additional resources to support you. The doors are open and founding members will be grandfathered in to the lowest pricing ever offered. Plus, when you join at the annual or lifetime level, you get a big bonus, hour-long one-on-one strategy sessions with me. The link to join is in the show notes, or you can simply go to www.lindsaypinchuk.com. Get excited. I am. I can't wait to work with you and to help make your marketing simple to build and grow your brand and bottom line. Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I love today's conversation for so many reasons, three of them being number one, our guest is a founder who is also a new mom wearing all of the hats to make it all work every single day. Number two, Today's guest is our first guest with a company in the cannabis industry. And number three, today's episode is our last new interview episode of 2023. It's been a wild and incredible year here at Dear Founder, and I cannot wait for you to see what's in store for next year. So buckle up. But before we get into today's episode, I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. And for those of you who are new around here, I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. After a decade in corporate America, I started my own company back in 2010 with just a $500 investment, and I grew that business to reach 3 million users per month across multiple platforms and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight. 
I built this company through practical, cost-effective organic marketing strategies, and this was all before I led its acquisition to a large agency holding company in 2019. Two years later, I exited with one goal, to support other female founders and businesswomen through their own entrepreneurship journeys. This podcast is my weekly or sometimes twice weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. Today, I use my experience and proven strategies to make marketing simple for you and your brand. Honestly, that's it. My mission is very straightforward. So if there's anything that you want to hear about or anything that you want to share to help you through your own journey, I invite you to reach out. All you have to do is email lindsay at lindsaypinchuk.com or shoot me a DM at lindsaypinchuk on Instagram. And if you're inspired by today's conversation, I invite you to share it. Text it to a friend or share it in your stories. If you tag me at lindsaypinchuk or at dear founder, I will absolutely come and say hi. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, we would love it if you left a five-star rating or review as that's how other entrepreneurs discover our show and the incredible stories like Jenna's that we share here each and every week. Simply go to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash dear founder and you can leave that rating or review wherever it is that you listen. So let's meet today's guest. Jenna Goldring is the founder of The High Confectionery, the no BS, all natural, microdosed gummy brand that believes in building your own buzz. While pivoting her product from cannabis to hemp in 2023, she was pregnant with her son, her first baby, and had debilitating morning sickness that lasted for months. Not only was she dealing in dealing with a male-dominated category that didn't see a need for her microdosed product, which is one of the many reasons she pulled out of dispensaries and moved to DTC, but now she had to navigate how to explain her morning sickness, how she would be operating during her pregnancy, and once her newborn son arrived. As background, Jenna has been a longtime cannabis user, but has always had a very low tolerance and was constantly cutting her gummies in half. She didn't trust the majority of the ingredients in edibles, so she set out to create a microdosed, clean, high-integrity product. The high-confectionary gummies have only one milligram of THC per piece to give you control and and use only full-spectrum organic hemp, real fruit flavors, natural sugar, and vegan pectin. Disregarding any doubts from category leaders looking for high-strength, high-tolerance consumers, Jenna relaunched the high confectionery with legal nationwide shipping this September and has already seen a significant increase in her re- in her repeat purchase rate. I cannot wait for you to meet Jenna Goodring and hear her incredible story. So come on in. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm really excited about today's guest because we actually have not had anyone in the cannabis category at all on the show yet. So I'm so excited that Jenna Goldring is here. She is the founder and CEO of The High Confectionery. She is also a new mom, and I'm so excited to dive into her story. So Jenna, welcome. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be on the podcast. So tell us your story. How did you start your company. Tell us about your company. Give us the goods. Yeah. Okay. So I'll kind of give you the, the, the interesting overview part of it, but I was working in ad sales for about 10 years and I got recruited to go work in ad sales, targeting actually cannabis companies and highly regulated industries. And I grew up in Los Angeles, so I'm not a big drinker for better or for worse. I had like 
four years in college where I was. And then after that, you know, alcohol, um, besides red wine doesn't really like sit with me. So I've always been a big cannabis user since, you know, high school through college into my adult life, but I have an extremely low tolerance and, you know, everyone always said to me, well, the more you take it, like your tolerance is going to go up. And I never found that to be true. And so I was working on the professional side of working with all these brands, dispensaries, you know, all the way from like the publicly traded cannabis companies to mom and pop, I was going and buying products that had to be altered to kind of like fit my needs. So edibles specifically is what I enjoy the most. And I would have to buy them and cut them up and be like, all right, I don't want to be glued to my couch for five hours or have a panic attack, which a lot of people have where, you know, you're like in your head being like, if I stop thinking about breathing, like, am I going to stop breathing? And I'd had so many bad experiences with this, like kind of guessing game of like, all right, I'm taking this 10 milligram edible, which for me is a shit ton and I'm cutting it up and I have things to do. I have to work or I just want to take the edge off. And now I have a baby. Like I can't afford that kind of experience of not knowing, you know, the outcome. And there were no products on the market kind of targeting consumers like me that had low tolerances need, like I need to be in control. Like I can't, you know, there's sometimes where I want to blow off steam and have like a crazy night, but there weren't very low um, dose products on the market. And the more I like researched it on the professional side, I understood that like their goal was really just to target consumers that were already into cannabis and already taking these products. And the history of the market has been like, you know, the atypical, like the typical like stoner uh, persona. And that's who they were going after because that at the time was where the money was. And I thought of this idea of like, let's make a low dose sessionable product that if I want to have more than one, I can, but I can really control the outcome of how I want to feel. And so I started telling a few people uh, this idea and everyone would come back with a story of, yeah, one time I ate a edible or one time I had a brownie or one time and I and had a similar experience. And I had a few people that were like, hey, if you go and make this and figure out how to do this, I'll be your first check. And I think that's when it became like really interesting. I'm like, holy shit, like, am I really, I'm onto something here. And the original idea was just something that I needed. And I sometimes think like, that's where the best ideas come from. So I said, all right. And I put a deck together and went on and raised money and ended up raising enough money where I left my job and went to go do this full time. I think a lot of other founders who kind of start that way can relate to like, I'm you know, I have this job, I'm making a lot of money, I'm doing really well, I've been in this industry forever. And like, now I'm going to jump ship and kind of take a leap of faith on something that is going to be arguably like 10 times more work and not proven and bet on yourself. But it was really the best thing I ever did. So um, I left and I went into this full time. So tell us what the high confectionery is. Yeah. So the high confectionery, it's really a low dose edible brand. So typically low dose has been two to five milligrams. And I will tell you, if you've never taken a five milligram gummy, it is not low dose for most people that are probably like you, like me at least. And I'm assuming like you too, that like 
aren't trying, you know, always taking these products, don't have the legacy of like taking them, like you will get fucked up from that. And so it's crazy to me that that in the industry is still considered low dose. So all of our products are actually one milligram. The math is very easy. So you take one, you've had one, you take two, you've had two. Um, And they're designed to be like sessionable and snackable. And I use them, you know, sometimes when I need to just take the anxiety off because I have a really, you know, intense meeting with something that I'm nervous about, I can take one and I'm not actually high. It kind of functions as a way of like cutting your anxiety, but I'm a super type A like person. I, I don't like to feel out of control. Um, and then other times I'm going out with friends, I'm having a glass of wine. I, I take like two or three and it kind of has a different result. We've created a portfolio of products. So we have some for going out. We have some for sleep. We have some for anxiety. We're working on one for actually like sex. Um, I'm just going to be a fun one. But the idea around it is like build your own buzz, like control your own destiny. And my goal is like, I don't want people to be scared of cannabis and THC and all of these things that get a, you know, historically have a lot of stigma attached to them. And so, you know, look at me, like I'm a mom, um, I'm a founder, I have a lot of shit going on, but I still, you know, this product allows me to like have all of that, but I need something sometimes to kind of take the edge off and an alternative to alcohol and being hungover. So that's kind of the uh, one-on-one on the company. So my first thing I want to ask you is what was the moment that you knew you wanted to quit your corporate job? And I think, and I asked that and I want to go back there because I think there are a lot of founders who are listening, who are straddling both and who are side hustling and they don't know when that right moment is, or if there is a right moment and you know, what was going through your head in that moment? Yeah. I mean, I don't even think there is like a right moment per se. I really think that it's for me personally, it's something I always knew that I can't work for other people. Like every time I would be at a company, I would exceed and I got bored and I got checked out. And I think I was always looking to kind of do something myself. And this kind of fell into my lap just based on like the industry I was in, what I was doing personally. I think the aha moment for me was when I had someone say, all right, I'll actually write you a check because I had this moral kind of dilemma of like, I don't want to raise money from people. And I was leading a team at my other job and you can't do both. Like I tried to do both for a week and I, my husband was like, you you have to quit. Like you can't do this. Like I was up all night. I felt like I was not doing well at my job and not you know, giving it my all there. And then I had people that were betting on me. And I think it was really important. Like if other people are betting with their money, like you have to bet on yourself. Um, so for me, that was the moment where I was like, all right, I'm out. And I was lucky that I had had a successful career previously. So I had some like reserves that allowed me to do it. I wish I did it when I was younger. I think like that's a regret of mine. I'm not that old, but you know, I have a kid now and we can get into that. Um, But I think there's no right moment. I think when you feel something inside of you, that's like, I want to go do this. I believe in this. I know I can do it. And even if you fail, like you're going to learn so much in the process, you got to just bet on yourself. I mean, that's what everyone else does. So I want to talk about the, the product, like the actual product, because yeah. you came from this ad sales background yeah. and you, so you know how that works. And I'm assuming, you know, a lot about marketing because most yeah. people in ad sales are marketers too. Yeah. You know, and it seems to be that you, you were do you were working, working in the cannabis industry as it was becoming legal. So you've been around 
for a while to know uh, a lot that goes on there. Cause there's a lot and we can get into kind of like the marketing yeah. as well. It's very different. Yeah. But a lot of compliance a product is very different. Oh yeah. I had no, I mean, transparently I was like, I literally have to create a, not only a product, something people are going to eat. So it's like, it's not just like a CPG good that like you could like a book or something or like ceramics, like you, people are eating this. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And I actually get asked that a lot because that wasn't my background. Funny enough in college, I actually studied agriculture and food production. I didn't end up I was in ad sales for 10 years. That has nothing to do with that. I didn't end up doing it, but I knew a lot about it from, from where I studied and what I, what I studied in school. And I was very passionate about like what goes into your body and not having bad ingredients, especially something you might eat a lot of. Um, but honestly, I just figured it out. Like I went on Google, I talked to people in that I knew that had produced, um, like food and beverage products and CPG. I had to learn like what a co-packer is, what a distributor is, like how to create an entire supply chain. And then in the cannabis and hemp industry, there's also compliance. So there's that was gonna testing. be my next question. It's insane. Like it's it's so it's actually so complicated. Like, you know, we actually play now we're in hemp, which I'll explain kind of the difference because people get confused by it all the time. But we were in cannabis for a year, strictly cannabis, and every state has different laws. So if you want to be in California, your product has to, you know, in your packaging, like it has to um, satisfy like this set of laws. If you want to be in Ohio, you know, it just turned recreational, but it was medical, it's different. And so that's extremely complex. It's not as simple as having one manufacturer, one distributor, and you can kind of sell anywhere. Um, and so it was a lot of just networking. It was a lot of me being like, here's what I want. Um, what are the pieces that make this up? And like, how do I go find them? The internet is an amazing tool. You can find anything on it. And I think people forget that. So I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I tasted a ton of products. I researched who made those products. Um, and I found, you know, my suppliers and it was really just like a lot of research, due diligence and, uh, networking. What, when, what year was this? I should have asked you that earlier. I just want to get a time. Frame. Yeah. So we launched the company in 2021. Um, I raised money previously. I would say we were like officially in stores like mid 2021. We recently pivoted from cannabis to hemp and I can definitely yeah, dive please, into like what the hell that is. Yeah, tell us what that is. Yeah. So cannabis and hemp are like two classifications for virtually the same thing. A cannabis plant like the chemical makeup has much more THC, which is what gets you, you know, feeling something. Um, a hemp plant has more CBD, but it still has THC and vice versa. So traditionally the cannabis market, when you think about like going into a dispensary, right? Buying something, um, that all the active ingredients. So the THC, the CBD is sourced from a cannabis plant. Now that is state by state regulated, right? So Around cannabis, there's, you know, you have to like, you have to understand the laws in the state and it's federally illegal still, but it's legal because we know how like the government works. So, um, hemp is different. It's actually in the 2018 farm bill, it became legal to source THC from hemp plants. If the plant itself has under a specific concentration of THC, so you have to have the paperwork for that. And then your end product is under that same concentration. And so as a low dose product, it was awesome for me because 
my products didn't have to change to be to be hemp derived. If you tasted my cannabis product and my hemp product, they're exactly the same thing. The difference is that I can actually ship my hemp product direct to consumer. And so what that did is completely pivoted my business from having to be a wholesale business into these dispensaries, which was extremely political. There's not a lot of women, but it's a very male dominated space. They only care about products that are like high dose, high dose, high dose, because that's, you know, what the people wanted in these legacy markets to D to C where I can now own my end consumer. I can make way more margin than I was making because I'm not a wholesale business anymore. I can, uh, I'm the one communicating what the brand is. I'm not relying on other stores and sellers within the stores to do that. And I'm able to deliver the same product to consumers that they were getting in stores. And so we recently did that. That's that. Do you have both now or just the hemp? So we had both for a little bit and I actually made the decision um, in August to turn off the cannabis. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Like the cannabis market in general is kind of a dumpster fire in certain states. It's so super competitive. You're heavily taxed. The the dispensaries are really hard to work with. A lot of them started to white label product. So it's just, it's a harder space. We had a lot of success in California. Like we were in awesome stores. Our products sold out in two weeks when we launched. Like it was we, we could have stayed in there, but I wanted to bet on the D to C business. I just think it's, it's how you build a brand. It's how you build a brand. And we're going to be in retail stores that sell hemp. So it's not to say that we're not in stores anymore. Um, we're working on some deals with stores, but the types of stores I can be in are like health and wellness centers. Um, I can be in like workout studios. Like it's not limited to like a liquor equivalent to what a liquor store is. Imagine when you can go to like um, a cute store and they sell like nice bottles of wine along with home goods, right? Like I can be in more curated stores that actually are more aligned with my audience, which are again, not these legacy kind of heavy hitter consumers, but like everyone else who is scared to try cannabis, had a bad experience, needs more control, like has other shit going on. And so I bet on that. And we recently, we launched our website um, officially in September. So it's very new. How have you used your background in ad sales to really go out and find this customer? Because there's, there takes some education too, right? Like, yeah, it's a lot of it. I mean, I think it's a ton of education. And I will also say like, Building a brand is very different than it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago in yeah. ad sales. And I was in programmatic. So it's a whole different kind of ball game. Um, now there's, you know, influencer marketing is huge. Um, being at events and experiential marketing is huge. Brand partnerships are huge. And that's stuff that I actually like didn't have, you know, I, I did some brand partnerships, but that wasn't really my background. I was in like a crazy, like digital background. Um and the funny thing about that is there's so many restrictions around what you can and can't advertise worse than alcohol. I worked on alcohol brands. So I was familiar with like, you know, 21 plus and like some of the things there, but this is even more like, you know, we recently launched meta ads, right. On Instagram and Facebook and meta blocked our domain because they think we're doing something illegal, but we're not. So we got it unblocked, but like that took three weeks because they don't understand this, this distinction that hemp is actually federally legal. It's not cannabis. And so it's, it, I'm learning a ton around, you know, that piece of it. Um, 
on, on the digital side. And then I've had to, I actually brought on my sister who is, um, her, her daytime job is like brand partnerships and she's a killer in that. So she's been consulting me on that. I brought in this awesome guy, Ben, who, um, is like a young hungry graduate who's in social media and he crushes it. And so I've had to learn a lot about that side of it, the digital side, the programmatic side, I could talk to you about for an hour, whether I think that actually works or not. So, um, but yeah, it's been, a, honestly, it's been a lot of learning for me and I'm not the, you know, I'll admit there's areas that I don't, I'm not an expert in and I've had to like hire people who are and kind of learn from them on how to do that. So that leads me to my next question yeah. is you talked about bringing in certain people. What does your team look like? Like who is doing this business with you? Yeah. So, um, my partner, Tim, so he's Tim and Nicole have been with me since the beginning. So Nicole, I'll start with her. She's our lawyer. Um, which when you're in this kind of industry, like we needed a full-time lawyer because every single thing I do has to be checked with compliance, even advertising. So the types of ads, what I'm saying, influencer marketing, what they're saying, what they can't say, like, so it doesn't get flagged. It's crazy. So we needed someone full-time who can kind of check everything that we do. Um, I raised money. Like we don't want to break any laws. There's so many companies in this space that are doing so much illegal shit and they continue to do it because they haven't gotten sued. No one's gotten sued. There's no precedent. So even when states pass laws, there's been no crackdown. So people are making a shit ton of money, but they're not doing it legally. And I'm very much like, I'm not doing that. Like I'm doing everything by the book. Um, Tim has been with me too since the beginning. So he's operations, right? So he really works with our co-packer on formulations, distributions. He's also a coder. So he codes stuff for our website. Like he's kind of a jack of all trades, but really handles like the entire supply chain, making sure like the product is created we have all the supplies. It's, you know, everything's kind of, you know, our website's working properly, things like that. My sister, who I kind of touched on, uh, Ben, we have Gianna, who obviously sets this up, um, who's kind of um, doing our PR. And then I hire like a lot of contract workers as well who specialize in certain aspects. So influencer marketing is um, someone I just brought on who's like super connected in that space. I have a lot of connections in that space too, but you know, like my day is packed as you right. can imagine. So I need people that are really, really good at like one thing. And then when you kind of piece that all together, you have an awesome team. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. How has your company grown since you started it? 
I know we're not going to talk about numbers and you don't yeah, have to, no, no, but I just want to like paint a picture for everyone listening. I mean, it hasn't been that long. It's only been a couple of years. So like, so it's been interesting. We obviously pivoted, right? So we did this huge kind of bet and pivot recently. Um, we were growing well in California. So I would say like month over month, we were making, you know, double what we were making the month before. Um, we turned that off and now we are only DTC and it's been great. Like I would say that we have the cool statistic that we have right now is we've had a 38% like return rate of new customers um, about like two weeks to three weeks after they buy. And if you notice how our stuff is packaged, you actually get a few packs when you purchase a box. So it's not like a one-time use thing. So that's great. We've gotten a lot of emails of people being like, I've had nerve pain, nothing worked. Like this solved my issue. Or like my mom's never tried an edible and like I got her to have one and she loved it and she just ordered them. So that has been like really cool to see that like the we spent, I spent a year developing the actual gummies. Um, I cared a lot about them being vegan. I cared a lot about them having not artificial stuff in them, like blue dye five. Um, I wanted them to be flavored with real fruits. They're colored with like turmeric and beet extract. So they're, they're not bad, you know, there's sugar in it, but like jury's out whether artificial sweeteners are worse for you or not. I think they are. Um, so I prefer real sugar. Um, but it's been a year of the company was that, right. And then it was this kind of, trying the traditional cannabis market and then launching our D2C. And so that's been great. We have a hotel that's about to put our product in um, their gift shops. That's a really interesting thing to me. I talked earlier about like the types of places that we can sell. Um, and then we're working on a deal with one of the largest retailers um, for hemp, like in the country, crossing my fingers. I'll know by the end of the week if that's done. Um, so things like that. And uh it's been, it's been really exciting and we've seen revenue grow month over month. So we have more new customers, we have more returning customers and the numbers are going in the right direction. So that's always great to see. What's the end game for you? Like, do you want to hold on to it? Do you want to sell it? What, what do you, what's I want to, I want to sell it. I want to sell it. And I think that, um, I want to sell it to another company in this space. It's been, that's a really interesting thing. Like we saw a lot of the really big players on the cannabis side, like the big publicly traded companies trying to like have these teams where they like spin out brands and they, if you look at some of the news that has come out recently, a lot of them have like fired those teams and they're down to like one person. And I think it, there's going to be a shift in the industry where we, where these guys are going to realize like, we're not actually like good at building brands. Like we should just go buy brands. And so I think that wave of things is going to happen in the next like two to three years. And I want to be set up to be acquired, um, of them, you know, especially low dose, like a lot of these companies don't have low dose portfolios. And so setting myself up for that, I think part of it is like, I love building things. Like I've worked at startups my whole career. Some were successful, some are, we'll see. Um, but I want to build something else. So that's why I would love to kind of sell this and then help other founders um, or start another thing. Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. I hope you're enjoying the episode. I just want to drop in to tell you that I want to give you a gift this holiday season. You've given me the gift of your listenership all year, and now I want to say thank you. So for the entire month of December, I'll be picking one review from Apple Podcasts per week to win a $100 American Express gift card to use on any small business that you want to support this holiday season. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts after December 1st. Watch the Dear Founder Instagram account or listen here every Thursday to see if you won. And if you did, there will be instructions on how to claim your prize. 
I want to thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the show and thank you so much for leaving a rating or review. And now back to the show. The most amazing thing about your story is the fact that you realized that there was this big void in the market and it was because of your own use and you took it by the reins and you have built this amazing brand. I mean, it's really cool to hear. Thanks. Yeah. It's funny. My dad always said this thing to me as a kid that was like, someone's got to do it. Might as well be you. And it really did stick with me like my whole life because there's, you look at all these people who are super successful and, and like, yes, some are smarter and more educated and had more connections than me, but like, they really just went out and did it. Like they just did it. And I think like there's a million ideas and there's not many people that actually take the jump to go do them. So like, I always have respect for people and, you know, whether I'm super successful or I fail, like you learn so, so much. And like, I think that I kind of thought about that when I was contemplating doing this, like, all right, I don't know how to make a food product, but like a lot of someone does. And like, I can be that person too. And, um, yeah. So that that's like something I always say in my head with everything. And I think I've also realized like you can figure out anything. Like there's shit that I have no idea how to do that. I'm like, like Shopify coding URL, like all this shit. I'm like, I know how to do that now. I didn't know how to do that last month. And so if you have that attitude of like, I'm not an expert in everything, but I can learn it and I can talk to people who know it, like you can do it. I couldn't agree with you more. So, yeah. and, and that's why you see so many so many of the successful brands that we've had here start with someone who has an idea and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and then they, they just do it. Yeah. Now I want to shift gears for a second because you told me before we got on that you have a baby. So congratulations. Thanks. I know you have a son Yeah. and I know it is really hard. I know from personal experience, it is yeah. really hard to build a brand and grow a business when you have a baby at home. So how are you, managing this? How are you finding this? Yeah. I mean, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about this because you're right. You told me not enough people talk about it. And that is the truth. Yeah. I would say like, I'm very passionate about this category as you'll see, but I think like as a young girl, I was like kind of fed a load of crap of like, you can do everything. We can do it all. We can have like the career and be the best mom ever. And like, then I had a baby and I realized like, that's just not fucking true. Like you can do a little bit of it all, you know, it, but I am always sacrificing something one way or the other, right? It's like an hour I take to spend with my son during the day is an hour I'm not working. And so it's not to say I can't do it all, but it's like, you have to balance. And I like to say you you can do it all, but not at the same time. You can do it all, but not at the same time. And like, you have to stay up later and wake up earlier. Like that's something, you know, else I'll say, I think it's a work in progress for me. Like I was breastfeeding for six months. Like, I'm not sure if you did that, but that is really hard and it's yeah. very demanding on your body and it mentally kind of fucks with you. And I was literally on calls, like pumping with my portable pump on, but you can't see because it's only neck up on the video chat. And so it was a lot of that. Um, I think that I did take some time off, which I had to, um, like to recover from birth mm. and just the emotional shift and being responsible for this tiny human. I think, you know, now he's like almost nine months. I'm in more of a groove. Um, I got some help. I definitely like carve out an hour every day to like feed him his lunch or take him to his class or go on a walk. I 
always in there for his bath time. Um, when I don't have, you know, something at night, um, I try to wake up earlier to do some work. Like sometimes I'm up before he is, but I would say like, it's really a work in progress. I'm figuring it out as I go. And it was kind of this shift of like my company to this point, like was the most important thing to me. And it was my baby for lack of better words. And then I got pregnant and I was very sick actually in the beginning of my pregnancy, very sick for way too long. And I was so nauseous and I couldn't join video calls. So I was taking all my calls on audio and I hadn't told anyone I was pregnant. So it's kind of like, that is even a weird thing. I was so nervous to tell my investors I was pregnant because I feel like there's just this energy around like women get pregnant and then they don't take their job seriously anymore. And like, you know, they fall out of the workplace and what happened when you did tell them? And there's Actually, a reason I'm asking and I'm going to tell you after. Yeah. I mean, it was opposite of what I thought. So <laughs> people were so supportive and like, we're so happy for you. And especially the ones that have kids, like they get it, like they understand. Um, but I, I had, it's my first child. So I didn't, I didn't really know. And it's funny. I actually did have someone say to me recently, like, oh, don't put female founded in your deck. It's going to work against you. And so I'm just saying like that does exist still, you know, like it's not, I think it's getting better, but like there are people that are still like that. You being afraid to tell your investors that you're pregnant is just, it's, it's an indicator of where we are still as a society. hundred percent. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's the, you were not afraid necessarily like for you, like you were, right. just, it's, it's a societal it's norm perception that needs to go away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm at, I asked you that because I had a conversation on the podcast with, Joanna Griffin, who is the founder of Nix, and yeah. like she closed hundred million dollars, like over hundred yeah. million dollar deal, yeah. Like while she was pregnant, and she said her, she laid it out and basically said, anyone who doubts that I can run this business as a mom or while yeah. pregnant doesn't get to invest. Good for her. And and she and it was like a very public thing that she said. Yeah. That. And so yeah, that's. I mean, I love that, and I think like. I wasn't as brave. Like, honestly, I was nervous. So, um, it ended up being fine. And now I'm like, I've gone such a 180 from that where I'm like, I'm a mom, I can run a business. I can do it. It doesn't mean that I'm working less or I'm actually working twice as hard. I would say, because I feel like I'm just in go mode all the time. I like can't turn it off. I always yeah. say like, if you need to get anything done, just find a busy mom because they know how to manage and balance and multitask better than anyone. Oh yeah. You have to. And I think it's like, now it's my challenge is like time for me. Like I need to, I don't take any time for myself. And so how that's the work that in. For you, I mean, I need to do it more, but, um, I try to meet friends at night, like, you know, like that kind of thing. But like, I haven't had a manicure in a year. Like, the, truthfully, it's hard. It's really hard because you learn as a mom that like everything else is first and you're kind of the back seat. And I think like, I'm still working on that. I need to do a better job of it. That's a work in progress. I think that it's very hard to work on yourself and give yourself um, grace when you are a new mom. I mean, you are still a new mom and it probably wasn't until my kids were like in elementary school yeah. that I was like, oh, I can like take a minute to go for a manicure or, oh, I can do this. And it, you know, it takes time. And while that seems far off for you right now, yeah, it's, it's not. not. 
and it goes by so fast. And I don't mean to sound so cliche, but it does. But like, no, it know. really is the short period of time where like yeah. you do take the back seat. And of course, as a founder, you're really going to take right, the Right. Because it's like any free time. I like, it's like, all right, my kid's sleeping. Now I have to answer the 20 emails I didn't 100%. get to instead of like taking a nice bath and like, like, you know, it's just, I don't have time. So I, I know. And I love it. I'm not complaining. I think being a mom is the best thing ever. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I love my son and I like adore him. Um, but it's just, it's a shift, right? It's a change. Like we're used to in our twenties or, you know, what our whole life, like before you have a kid, it's like, what do you want to do? Like, you don't have to think about anything else. I have a dog, but like, even that's not the same, you know, not the same, yeah. not the same. What's the legacy you want to leave your son? Like take, take risks on your, like bet on yourself and take risks, like informed risks. But like, I think that I went to like a very interesting high school where it was extremely entrepreneurial, like actually more so than where I went to college. And they taught, um, an interesting way of looking at the world and thinking and to kind of question things and like poke holes and like find, you know, and I like that mentality. I think like, that's something I really want to pass on to him is like, just because something's a way it is, doesn't mean there's not, it should be that way. Or it doesn't mean that, you know, there's not an idea of how to make it better. And if you think of it, go try to do it. I love that. So I'm going to ask you two questions. Normally I wrap up with one, but I'm going to okay. ask two because okay. we're gonna, I'm going to separate it. Yeah. The first one I want to ask you is what would be three pieces of advice you would give a founder who is a mom or about to become a mom? Yeah call me. <laughs> Honestly, I would say talk to more people that have done it before. I, um, for first time moms, I have a lot of friends that are becoming first time moms now. It's really hard to prepare you for like what that's like, like no matter how much you read or talk to people, like everyone's experience is really unique. I think everyone's birth experience is really unique. It's hard to wrap your head around. And I think just like having no expectations and in the beginning is like my biggest piece of advice, um, whether you're a founder or just a first time mom, like just see what happens, see how it goes. Like, don't expect it to be a certain way, like get in the groove. I think there's like so much pressure for like babies to sleep this way and eat this way and moms to recover and lose weight. And like, it's not real, like maybe for some people, but for others, like your journey is going to look different. And so I would say just like be open and easy on yourself. Um, the other piece of advice I would say, like it gets easier, which is what you told me. Like I even feel that I'm in the early stage, but I do think like even every week, like, all right, now he can eat like pieces of food. I don't have to blend everything. So I think like that gets easier. And then like balancing work and feeling confident in like your new self in your, your company again, like comes with time. I was panicked about that. I was like, literally like I'm pumping it and I have to use the milk and like, how am I going to, and like, I was feeling a little like uneasy for a bit, but now I'm like, all right, I'm back. I feel like myself. And like, that just takes time. And, um, so, and then the last piece I would say is like, honestly, like for those of people that have children and like, are like, I can't do this. Like, then like do what you need to do. Like there's no right or wrong or shame. And I think like I've had friends that have started companies or, or just been like super high powered individuals at companies. And they're like, I want to be a mom. Like, I didn't know that I was going to, that I was, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, then do it. You know, like there, you don't have to 
there's no rules. Like it's your life. It's your kid. It's your company. It's your career. If there's something that you feel like is right for you, like you should go do it. And then my last question is what are three actionable tips that you would give to a female founder who's just starting about business? Hmm. I have I would actually say, don't expect your cap table to be like women fueled. That was something that was a shock to me. Like I set out on this being like, all right, I'm going to get like high powered women to invest. Like want to like, I actually work with a lot of women on like the supply side because I try to support where I can, but my cap table is actually primarily male, um, which is I'm always trying to bring more women into it. But I think like there's this kind of ethos of women supporting women. But then when it comes to fundraising, like especially in vice categories, which I'm in, it's a lot harder than you think. So just kind of have realistic expectations around that. Um, actionable. Mm. This is a hard question. You kind of stumped me. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, I would also say like network. So, um, attending events in person and research them, right? Some of them are crap, but like if they're hosted by uh, great people, like go. And then I guess my last one would be like, don't be afraid to like reach out to the craziest person you think will never ever respond to you because they might respond. Um, And you'd be surprised of how many people like I've linked in or emailed. And I'm like, I'm like, there's no way. And they actually respond if you write something thoughtful. So I would say like, you know, think big, but like chip away, right? Like you want to get to the person who's at the top of, of your industry, like you can find a way there. Um, and sometimes it's really just like shooting them a DM. Um, yeah. But honestly, I couldn't agree with you more. And people who are listening, who have been around here for a while know that that's really how I get a lot of my guests that are big and high profile is yeah. I simply DM them. And yeah. like, I've never, they're just had, like, people. They're just like, people. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. Jetta Goldring, founder and CEO of the High Confectionery. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. You are a delight. And I am so excited to see where this goes. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. I think that Jenna Goodring is an incredible founder. I think her story is amazing. And hearing her talk about being a mom and balancing motherhood as well as being a founder and CEO is so realistic and something so many of us can appreciate. So Jenna, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. As always, I want to share my top five takeaways from today's conversation. So get out your pen and paper. Number one, When your side hustle and your job are both pulling you in opposite directions and people are relying on you, it might be time to make a choice. Number two, even if you fail, you are going to learn in the process. You just have to bet on yourself. Number three, hire contractors who specialize and are good at the one thing you need them to do. Piece them together and you'll have an awesome team. Number four, don't be afraid to reach out to the craziest person you think will never, ever respond to you because they just might respond. And number five, think big, but chip away. Like I said, this is the last interview episode of Dear Found Her for 2023. Our second year has been a wild ride. We've shared so many incredible stories. I want to thank all of our guests who have joined us and all of you, our listeners and our community for making this year possible. I'm going to share more in an upcoming solo episode of Dear Found Her, but this year has far exceeded my expectations and I cannot wait for you to hear what's next. We'll be back after the holidays with incredible new guests and so much more. 
Those events you heard me talking about that we piloted here in Chicago this fall, stay tuned because they're coming soon to a city near you. Make sure you click the link in the show notes to be on the list so that you can hear the details when we're ready to share them. Have a great rest of the week and a wonderful holiday. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here. 